Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Andrea. And I'm Haley. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. that was terrible hi guys (laughs) hi everyone i do have a small update in madeline mccann okay that i just saw come out today and so i just want to share that before we get into it because the last episode we shared kind of about it being did was that last episode or a few episodes ago whenever it was we shared yeah um, about the most recent update and There's kind of been a bigger update. So this week on Tuesday, May 3rd, it was the 15-year anniversary of Madeline's disappearance. And on Tuesday, the German prosecutor, Hans Christian Wolters, came out and said that, first of all, he was sure that Christian Bruckner is the person who abducted and murdered Madeline. Okay. But there has been, have been rumors that have been circulating that Items belonging to Madeline were found in Christian Bruckner's van. Oh. And in the interview that the prosecutor Walters did, he was asked about the rumors and he said, I can't speak on the investigation. But then he was asked, do you deny them? And he said, I don't want to deny it. Oh my gosh. So it definitely sounds like there's some sort of truth to that, possibly. And then he also said, we found evidence we found new evidence and it's not forensic evidence but it's evidence pointing to Bruckner being involved so that would make sense yeah it's definitely compelling Bruckner has claimed that he has an alibi because he was with a woman that night and he was like she'll corroborate it but then the prosecutor was basically saying well, he hasn't given us anything solid. Like, if he had somebody that would exonerate him, he would tell us, and he hasn't given us anything solid. So we don't think that that's anything's going to come out. But we are, like, closer than ever to having answers in this case, and hopefully charges will be coming soon. Good. Yeah. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, we covered Madeline McCann in episodes 37 and 38, And I am super passionate about the case because I spent, like, weeks researching it. And while doing research, it changed my mind on what I thought about the case. And I think as we've talked about it and as we did the episodes, it changed Andrea's mind a little bit, too. And we've kind of, like, evolved our our thoughts on it. So it's just something we're really passionate about. And we'll continue to update. But, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I didn't, yeah, I had no idea that that was unfolding right now. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of cool. And I hope that a lot of that stuff that you said is definitely like factual and I know it's going to finally pay for that. And hopefully they can, you know, he'll say where her body is at least. I know it seems like he right now isn't gonna say anything but if they offer him some i don't know how it works in different countries but maybe they'll offer him some sort of deal or something that Mm -hmm. will make him say what happened or i don't know but yeah because he's already in jail correct yeah he's in jail right now for the 2005 rape of a woman but i don't know how long 
that jail sentence is, but I know that that's kind of why they weren't in a super big rush, because yeah. he was already in jail. So, yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for updating us. Yep. Okay, so today I'm going to be covering a case, and it does involve a child. Um, so I just wanted to give that as like a general blanket statement uh, before we okay. get into it, but... Um, I'm going to be talking about the abduction and horrific murder of Polly Class. I don't think I know this one. Okay. You probably do. You probably do. And if you saw her picture, you would definitely be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to look it up. Because the name Polly definitely sounds familiar, and I don't know where else I would have heard that name, but I can't remember the case. Well, I will tell you all about it. So, on October 1st, 1993, Polly Class was having a sleepover with two of her friends, Kate McLean and Jillian Pelham, at her Petaluma, California home. The three girls were doing, you know, your typical slumber party activities. They were playing board games like Perfect Match. They joked around and laughed, and they even were practicing putting on makeup because Halloween was right around the corner, and they were excited to, like, dress up and stuff. Yeah, that's so cute. Yeah. Um, It was starting to get late, so Polly's mom, Eve, came into Polly's room and suggested the girls get some rest and head off to bed. She told the girls goodnight, and Polly responded, goodnight, mommy. And Eve headed back to her own bedroom, where she and Polly's little sister, Annie, were sleeping for the night. And Annie and Polly are so freaking precious. There's, like, this picture of the two of them and this, like... They are just so sweet together. Aww. Polly's parents were divorced, so just the three girls, ladies, um, resided in that home. Polly was still very close with her father, Mark, class, and he and Eve co-parented really well together. So despite, you know, going through a divorce and all that, they still remained civil and they were able to successfully co-parent. Okay. The location of Polly's home wasn't in the best area. She lived close to a Greyhound bus station, which, you know, is kind of a hub for all sorts of people coming and going. Yeah. And her house was also across from a public park that sometimes questionable characters would hang around at. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Now, I don't live in California, but you do. And you might have a better um, idea of how Petaluma is, maybe, the area. Honestly... I don't know if I've ever been to Petaluma and don't really know much about it. I'm also really bad with, like, geography and stuff. (laughs) So Rob might know better. He's currently taking a nap. But if he wakes up during this recording, I'll ask him. Um, But, yeah, I don't really know much about it. But there's definitely areas of California that can be, you know, not the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's everywhere, definitely. And obviously, California is like a huge state, so I don't expect you to like <laughs> have yeah. a you know precise opinion of every county or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's kind of close to where you might live. I'm not really sure. I'm not great with geography either. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. So I'd have to look at a map. <laughs> yeah. So it was around 11 p.m. and before laying down to go to sleep, Polly was going to go out and get her and the other girls sleeping bags for them to sleep in, you know, because they're like having a sleepover and what do you do? You like camp out on the floor. When she opened her bedroom door, there stood a large, burly, strange man hovering in the hallway of Polly's home. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember this. I don't know this story, but I totally was thinking, like, you know, it was going to be, like, a 
like abduction through the window not that yeah he was standing like that is literally like the shit that literal nightmares are made of just to open your door and there's a stranger there oh my god that's so terrifying terrifying and not only that but her mother's bedroom was right across the hall literally right like right across from polly's bedroom door wow the man had a knife and he told the three girls that if they screamed or made any noise that he would slit their throats he then tied their hands with cloth and cord which was cord from the video game that they had been playing earlier in the evening. Oh my god. So he didn't necessarily come prepared. He had no. gone into the house and gotten something from inside yep. the house to tie them up. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I know. That's like scarier almost. I don't know. Yeah, that's really creepy. And the fact that like nobody heard him doing that. I know. I'm like, was your was your door unlocked? Like I don't I don't know that. You know, this never they in any of the research I did, it never um, clarified if the door was open or if he, like, okay. actually broke in. Right. But either way, like, he's a big dude. He's got to make some noise, you know? Well, and he clearly was doing something in the house. It's not like he just walked in right up to her door. Like, he yeah. had to get those cords. So, oh, that's so creepy. So, it's reported in one source that, that I read that her mother was suffering from a migraine that evening. So, she may have taken, like, some migraine medicine mm. and was like... okay. Maybe not, but it was like right after she came into the room and told them goodnight. So it's it's hard for me to believe in a 30 minute period that I've taken migraine medicine and like, yeah, it does usually knock you out, but it's not quick usually. Yeah. At least from my like personal experience. Unless, but. didn't you say it was like 11 p.m. or something? Yeah. So she, if she had a migraine, she could have been really tired and just fallen asleep as soon as she like hit the pillow. Yeah. You know, like, even I mean, if, maybe. even if it wasn't the medication, because, I mean, Rob literally falls asleep in two seconds. <laughs> in seconds, <so> yeah. <laughs> it definitely could be something like that, especially if she had a migraine and, like, wasn't feeling good, and she yeah. finally got to, like, rest her eyes. So, definitely yeah. a possibility. Yeah. she. I mean, obviously, she must have been asleep pretty heavily because she didn't hear anything going on, and neither did the girls, and they were awake. Okay, so he then gagged the girls and covered their heads with pillowcases. He told Kate and Jillian to count to a thousand and then Polly would be back. The intruder asked who lived there with them. And when Polly answered, he took her and dragged her out of the home. Polly's friends actually thought that it was a prank at first, but then quickly realized that this was real and they were terrified. After about 20 to 30 minutes or so, um, the girls were still terrified, but they decided they thought it was probably safe enough to go wake up Polly's mom because Polly had not returned like the intruder had promised. They were able to free themselves from the bindings and the gags, which to me is just crazy because like, I don't know, a grown man tying a knot. Right. And and they were able to work themselves out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I wonder if he was kind of, like, a little bit cocky and... In a hurry or something. Yeah, like, didn't fully tighten it, and they were so scared that they didn't try to get out until they knew he was gone. Right, yeah. That could have been it, too, yeah. So they go and wake up Eve, and Eve immediately called 911 to report her daughter missing. Um, She was, like, completely out of it when she made the call. She had no... Like, when she recalled back to that moment, she was in disbelief and had just like, you know, woken up out of a dead sleep probably. Yeah. And just 
like felt like in a dreamlike state almost. But she said, quote, apparently a man just broke into our house and took my daughter. I just woke up and there were the two girls who spent the night with my daughter. She is 12 and a half. She is not here. I didn't even hear anything. I was asleep. Oh my God. I know. Like literally the stuff that nightmares are made of. The dispatcher then spoke to Kate, which is Polly's friend, who described what happened in more detail. The police then notified the FBI, and Polly was officially listed as a missing person. Okay, so that's good, at least. Yeah. One of the most tragic things about this case, aside from the crime itself, of course, is that when the police sent out the initial APB of Polly's disappearance over the radios... Um, They marked it as not for media coverage, so the report did not go out to all of the surrounding counties. Is there a reason why they marked it as not for media coverage? They don't know. They just didn't. And it's something that they do, I guess they do it, um, you know, sometimes if they need to. So the, like, news outlets don't rush to the scene or whatever and cause, you know, disruptions and stuff. Which makes sense. I think but that's kind of, yeah, you would want that. You would want that. And like, it's just a, a house. So you mm-hmm. could probably set up a perimeter pretty easily. And it's not like there's a crime yeah. scene with a dead body that you don't want people coming and taking pictures of. Like, Right. Yeah. yeah I don't that's know. weird. Okay. Yeah. Also, the man that took Polly had actually had a run in with the police the night that he took her. Oh. A young woman had been on her way home from work and noticed a suspicious vehicle stuck in the ditch on her employer's private driveway. She phoned the property owner who decided to leave with her daughter. And as she drove down the long driveway, the owner passed the man. She then called 911 when she got service um, or when she got to a service station and two deputies were dispatched um, to her home. The deputies obviously did not know of the kidnapping or the suspect's description, you know, because of what I just said about the um, APB not being sent out to everyone. Right. Um, but they, the deputies did run his driver's license and license plate number, but nothing came back um, as far as, like, warrants or anything. Right. So the deputies called for a tow truck to, you know, help him get his car out of the ditch. They did search his vehicle. Before the tow truck arrived, um, but they didn't find, like, any evidence of anyone else in the car. The only thing um, that he did have was an open container of beer, but since he wasn't driving when they arrived on scene, they couldn't really bust him for that. You know, you have to have, like, the keys in the ignition or be sitting in the vehicle or whatever. Right. But before he was allowed to leave, they did, you know, tell him he had to pour the beer out. They also filed a field interrogation card with his information, um, and then they pretty much let him go and sent him on his way. Wow. So this man is Richard Allen Davis, and he is the literal bacteria that grows on shit. He has a laundry list of prior charges and convictions against him, including kidnapping. But at the time, they had no idea that he had kidnapped Polly or that Polly was even missing. And he proceeded to get away with what he had done, or so he thought. So when they ran 
the plates on him, nothing came, nothing of that came up. Was it like not his car? Was it a fake name or did it just not come up? It came up that he was a felon, but they didn't even know that Polly was missing. So there would be yeah, no red get, flag. Right. You know what I mean? I so, guess that's true. Yeah. Because the APB didn't go out to this police, this particular police department. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So when the investigation began, the FBI's forensic team found a palm print on Polly's bed railing. Unfortunately, a palm print is only good if you have a suspect, and they had no real leads at that time. They did assume that this was a stranger abduction, which would mean finding this person would be even more difficult. The investigators questioned Polly's neighbors. Um, Volunteers passed out flyers. They flew a helicopter overhead to search for Polly, and they even had police dogs you know, issued out to the area to search. Right, like scent dogs. Yeah. And the police department pretty much worked around the clock to try to bring Polly home safely. The actress Winona Ryder even offered up a $200,000 reward for Polly's safe return. And I guess she, um, you know, it's 93, so she's like big time actress at this point. Yeah, I and Winona Ryder. I know. She was all, I guess she's from that area or somewhere near there. Um, so I guess she maybe like felt connected to the case. Right. After two months of searching, searching, the police continued to come up empty handed one day in late November. So it was like a couple months later. Um, as I just said, I don't know why I said a couple months later. (laughs) I'm very tired. Sorry. Um, the property owner where Davis got his car stuck, went to inspect her property when she noticed a pair of girls tights a piece of cloth, and packaging tape on the ground. She immediately thought these items could be tied to Polly's case and called the police. The FBI later confirmed that the items did belong to Polly Class. The police then were able to connect Davis and ran the palm print to his, and it was a match, of course. Wow. Davis was then arrested a couple of days later. After three days of questioning... Three days of questioning, Davis finally confessed and led police to where Polly's body was. So he held out for three days. Three days. This dude's psycho. I mean, there was like a whole bunch of stuff about his past that I just did not want to include because I like hate talking about the the criminals in these cases. But he had a really fucked up childhood. Not that that gives him any excuse or reason to do what he did. But he was just evil. He was just pure fucking evil. So So he was really trying to, like, play it off. And like, no, of course I didn't do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was just buying his time, bullshitting the police, just terrible Well, he probably enjoyed it, too. Like. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he did. Watching them try to figure it out. And Yeah. Yep. I'm surprised he confessed, honestly. He, I mean, he didn't. He was pretty much caught at this point. He just had yeah. to, you know, say one little thing. But just for his ego, like, I'm surprised that he would, unless he, like, accidentally slipped up and said something. Yeah. I'm surprised that he would have, you know, given them what they wanted. But maybe he just had enough and he was over yeah. it. I mean, three days, that's a long time to be sitting there. That's true, yeah. You know? That's true. Because they, they give you breaks, but you're not leaving that place. <laughs> no. No. Especially when you're a suspect like that. Yeah. Like, no. Not at all. 
So Polly's body was found in a shallow grave covered in leaves and a large piece of plywood. Her body was severely decomposed as it had been two months and she had been left out in the elements. So they, like, she was killed probably that night. Yeah. Yeah. The nightgown she had been wearing the night she was taken was pushed up under her armpits There were also bits of fabric and rope in her hair that had been tied into loops indicative of death by strangulation. It appeared Polly was most likely sexually assaulted by Davis, but the doctor that performed her autopsy couldn't positively conclude that for sure, just due to the level of decomposition that had already occurred to her body. So, but they did find... Um, they did find semen on her clothing, on her nightgown, so they're just, Something happened, yeah. Yeah. Polly loved life. She loved performing and wanted to one day become an actress. She mastered baseball, swimming, and the clarinet. She was funny and smart and outgoing. During the trial, which I'll get to more of that in a minute, um, Mark Class's Mark Class, who was Polly's father, discussed her accomplishments as well as her fears, and he said, quote, She was afraid of the dark, she was afraid of being alone, and she was afraid that a bad man would come and take her in the night. Isn't that scary? That's so... I mean, I know, like, a lot of 12-year-old girls probably have that fear. I know I probably did, still probably do, but... But for her to express it enough that her dad knew that... And yeah. it'd be something that it wasn't just like, oh, of course she was scared of that because she was 12. It's like, that yeah. was a fear of hers. It's like prolific or something, yeah. That's so scary and also just so heartbreaking because, I mean, of course mm-hmm. anybody would be scared in that situation, but yeah. it's almost like something that she's always been thinking about and it happened to her. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, Polly was only 12 years old at the time of her abduction and death. In 1994, during a preliminary hearing, police said Davis confessed that in a drug-induced haze, he confessed to smoking pot laced with PCP and drinking heavily that night. He kidnapped Polly and drove away from her house, but that his car eventually got stuck on a remote dirt road, and he left Polly alone in a wooded area nearby. After his run-in with the sheriff deputies... They then helped him free his car and ordered him to leave the area. He claims he then returned a half hour later, surprised that Polly hadn't tried to escape. He picked her up and drove her to Cloverdale, where he allegedly strangled and murdered her. Okay, wow. So that's his, you know, account of the events. Wow. So he he not only, like, confessed, but he was like, okay, here's what happened. Yeah, but they don't really 100% believe that those turn of events were actually what went down because they think everyone, like especially her family, thinks if he would have left her in a wooded area and drove off, she would have ran. Oh, yeah. Even if she was terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if he drove off because it's clear, like, he left. It's not just like, oh, he walked away. He might still be around the corner or something. Like, yeah. She saw him drive off. Or heard him drive off. Like, yeah, she would have tried to escape. I think so, too. And for, like, half an hour? That's a long time to be just sitting there, you know? Yeah. But 
I don't, I mean, we'll never know because it was only the two of them there and he's, you know, a sick, sadistic, lying piece of shit probably. Yep. After a long and turbulent trial, Davis was convicted on June 18th of 1996. A first degree murder with four special circumstances, robbery, burglary, kidnapping, and attempted lewd act on a child. Because since they couldn't. Right. You know. Fully confirm. Yeah. Exactly. But they had that s- semen sample or whatever from her shirt or her right. nightgown. Right. So there was something that they something. could charge him with. Something, yeah. Yeah. Lewd act, definitely. Yeah. During the trial, Davis made quite the disruption and accusation when during his sentencing, he claimed Polly said to him, quote, just don't do me like my dad. Right before Davis killed her, implying that Polly's father was a child molester. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I am not. And Mark Class reacted by shouting, oh, burn in hell, Davis, fuck you. And then <laughs> was escorted out of the courtroom to call to avoid causing further disruption. You go, Mark Class. And I watched like, I watched a lot of the trial because a lot of it's like um, recorded, like film recorded film recorded i can't think of words i'm just like saying stuff um video of it and it is it is so just fucked up but it's like hilarious in a way too because like he just didn't care he was like you are not gonna you know drag my name through the mud like fuck you yeah i don't care if i'm in court or not yeah it was very intense very intense Okay, so he was escorted out of the courtroom. Um, Judge Thomas C. Hastings proceeded with the formality of the death sentence, saying, Mr. Davis, this is always a traumatic and emotional decision for a judge. You made it very easy today by your conduct. (laughs) Hell yes. I'm like fist pumping right now. I love when judges are like that. Yeah, like you suck and you're the worst piece of shit on the planet and i don't care i'm gonna let everyone know in the most professional way (laughs) so after um davis received his guilty verdict he immediately turned around and gave two middle fingers to the courtroom camera oh my god yeah this dude is i'm telling you he's off his rocker big time that's i know yeah that's just he's just trying to Get the attention on him. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Although what happened to Polly is horrific, unfair, and tragic, it did help push California's Three Strikes You're Out initiative into a law just months after it occurred. Oh, what is that? The law mandates 25 years to life sentences for criminals who are convicted of two or more serious felonies. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that that should be, like, everywhere. Yeah. Like, literally the whole entire country. Yeah. Or world, I guess. (laughs) According to the Washington Post, Polly's murder also led to widespread criticism of state law enforcement authorities for their failure to effectively monitor paroled inmates. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The state legislature has since funded a program to alert police officers when they stop someone about that person's parole or probation status, which I personally think is chef's kiss, honestly. Me too. Because, like, I know people can be rehabilitated, and I know, like, not always once a criminal, always a criminal. 
But, like, for these violent crimes of, like, rape and child molestation and stuff like that, where these people somehow slip through the cracks. Yeah, exactly. There needs to be, like, a big-ass red flag that pops up. Because, like, obviously they're in trouble if you're running their stuff anyway. You know, their ID or their tags or whatever. And, I mean, it sucks for those that are fully rehabilitated and, like, actually are on the right track. But... You know, you commit a crime. You still committed a crime, exactly. Yeah, even if you're rehabilitated, like, you you made that choice and you have to deal with the consequences. Even if it's just, you know, there's a, a flag on your name, like, sorry, but you that's did it. what you get, yeah. You did it to yourself, yeah, exactly. So Polly's murder also helped change the APB and the CHP practices. So if you don't know... And- an APB is an all-points bulletin, which is a radio message sent out to officers on the police force giving details about a criminal at large. And the CHP is the California Highway Patrol. Yep. Um, the radio system was upgraded and such bulletins are now broadcast on all police channels through a centralized 911 dispatch system. So it's going everywhere. Good. Another amazing thing that came from this case is the Class Kids Foundation started by Mark Class, Polly's father, and it was in her honor. He is now an advocate for children and has made himself available to parents of kidnapped children. Um, They offer a slew of services for parents of missing kids, like um, they'll help you print um, posters, they'll help find you like therapy like, all kinds of stuff. Wow. That's amazing. He, yeah, he knows what it feels like to be in that situation. And, like, no one should ever have to go through that. But, you know, now he yeah. has this site that helps people. So, yeah, I will link the website in the show notes if you'd like to donate or volunteer. Um, in 2019, which this is a little controversial. So, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. In 2019, Govers- Goverson, Gover- Governor Newsom, the governor of California, halted all executions and Mark Class went to the media and he was disgusted. He yeah. said, quote, there, Obviously. Yeah, there's a very good chance Polly's killer will live longer than me because he benefits from something that I don't benefit and that's guaranteed health care. Wow. Yeah. And that governor, I don't know, I can't say that word. Governor Newsom works on the side of evil. He stated he was viscerally angry and wanted for the last thing for Davis to see is his eyes staring at him, just like the last thing Polly ever saw were his eyes as he was squeezing the life out of her. Oh, that breaks my heart. Like her dad said that. That's gut-wrenching. Wow. Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything about, like, I mean, we don't really share our opinion on the death penalty because I think there's a lot of controversy out there and I don't think it's necessary and I'm not gonna say anything about Newsom because, again, controversy and honestly, I don't really follow that that side of things. But that just breaks my heart that her poor dad, like, had to go through all of this again. Yeah, that's rough. I mean... I don't think there's a one size fits all like you said it's 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 a it's a personal 
opinion of of what you know people think and like for me it's not a consistent opinion so i really don't even like you said want to even speak on it but yeah i totally 1000 percent understand her father's frustration because he was already convicted he was already tried he was already convicted and sentenced and like for someone else to come in and change that like that doesn't seem right at all just yeah nothing so before we wrap up today's episode. I do want to play an audio clip from Polly's grandfather, who is Joe Class, um, which is Mark's father, obviously. They did uh, like a press conference type thing after the trial. And I was watching like a little mini documentary, I guess you could say. And what he said literally gave me chills. And okay. it was pretty powerful. So we're going to include that right here. And I hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> This man has spent his entire time in jail trying to think up another way to inflict terrible pain because he is a continual, endless sadist. And there are other sadists in this country who will believe him, but they too are sadists. As far as this man is concerned, I wouldn't wipe him off my shoe. I'd burn the shoes and flush the ashes down the sewer, and I still wouldn't get down to where he is. What rang through the family when he said those terrible things about Mark? My wife became hysterical because this, this man succeeded in what he was trying to do, which was pierce my son through the heart and pierce the rest of the family. It was just plain despicable, and it shows the kind of people child molesters are. Mr. Class, uh, the judge did hand down the ultimate sentence. Does that in any way make any of this easier for you? He's, no, but it's putting Davis where he belongs. It doesn't make it any easier. Joe, did you ever think the family's suffering and pain could get any worse? I wondered what he was going to do. He's done everything he can do now. Oh, he'll think up other things. Uh, He'll probably get married like the uh, trailside strangler. God knows when is this going to come to an end. Probably not in my lifetime. I don't think Mark had a clear thought in his head at that moment. It was a natural reaction. Any father on earth that wouldn't lunge like that is not a good father. And an accusation by a filthy pig like him. Mark had indicated that he wants to go see the execution. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? I'm sure he wants to see it now. What about you? No, I have no desire to see the execution. No, he's talking part about praying and about forgiveness. Is there even any remote pray I don't have to pray for him anymore. I said my last prayer today. I thought I said it after the uh, second verdict of the jury when they recommended the death penalty, but then I felt uncomfortable in there today, and I thought I'd better do it one more time. Well, what's your prayer? My prayer is God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. God take charge of both of us 
and make us feel like doing what you want us to do. She apologized, and she too was hysterical. She apologized and wanted me to tell the family that she had absolutely no clue he was going to pull a despicable stunt like that. Davis made an apology, but he made it a very pointed uh, apology to certain members of the class family. What, what, what's the point of that? Why, why were there certain members of the class family? I, well, he obviously was about to make a filthy, lying accusation against my son. And to lie about Polly's last words, that was just unforgivable. Thank you, Mr. Class. Sure. He's just, like, so passionate about his granddaughter. I mean, you know, she got yeah, freaking murdered and, like, this piece of shit. Okay. So, that is going to wrap up the just horrifically tragic case of Polly Class. Like, she was such a light and was taken from this earth way too soon. And she did not deserve at all what happened to her. Her family did not deserve that. And I really hope that um, this piece of shit gets what he deserves. Me too. Me too. I think that there's a special place in hell for him. There absolutely is. There absolutely wow. is. But um, I will... I will post the pictures so you can be pissed off like I was of him like flipping off the camera and all of the things. I might even post a little video clip of him saying what he said um, okay. to invoke anger. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to include it in the podcast just because I don't want it to be about him. But um, and then, of course, I will post pictures of Polly's beautiful face and her sister. Yeah, and I looked just... up a picture. She's so cute. I know. And I just like my heart honestly goes out to her mom and dad and just what they've been through. And um, from what I understand, like her mom wants to kind of remain out of the spotlight, okay, which is totally respectful. I can I can get behind that to 110 10 percent. But she is, I guess, on the board for the foundation that her dad created. So she does have, you know, more behind the scenes, I guess. Um, right. But her dad is, you know, they're they're all doing amazing things. And my, like like I said, my heart goes out to them. My prayers go out to them because no parent should ever have to suffer through something like this. Yeah. But I want to thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, keep it human. Did you just totally forget what we say? I was going to say keep it weird. That's your YouTube channel. that's not what we say. That's not what we say. No. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, keep it human as much as you can. And we'll see you next time. Get some rest, Andrea. (laughs) Bye. Bye.